Disclaimer. The content of this series came about through my own study and research, and through interaction with a spiritual guide whom I believe to be the Holy Spirit. However, some of the information here might be a little bit different from what you've heard before. As you listen to these words, I encourage you to make your own prayers to the Holy Spirit, asking for guidance to help discern truth from error as we journey together through the text of the Holy Bible. Welcome to Bible Curious, a fresh new look at an ancient text where we explore the entire Bible from cover to cover, asking ourselves, what is the Holy Bible and where did it come from? What claims does it make about God and who is this character God anyway? What message might this God have left for us today? Whether you are faithful or unfaithful, believing, unbelieving, or just plain curious, this series is for you. I'm Arthur Milliken. I never went to Bible school, but the Holy Spirit saw fit to reveal this story to me from a new perspective, one that isn't taught in Bible school. So hold on to your hats. This ride might get a little wild. Today we will be reading Matthew chapters 1 and 2 from the World English Bible. You can find our reading plan at biblecurious.org forward slash plan. What is the Holy Bible? The Bible isn't exactly a book. It would be more accurate to call it an anthology of books written by at least 35 different authors over a period of 15 centuries. It is divided into two parts, the Old Testament, written in Hebrew, tells the story of the Jewish people from creation around 4000 BC till about 400 BC. The New Testament was written in Greek during the first century AD and is the testimony of those who followed Jesus of Nazareth, known as the Christ. The Gospel of Matthew is the first book of the New Testament and tells the story of Jesus Christ, whose ministry began around 30 AD. We're beginning in the middle, so to speak, because from a Christian perspective, the entire Bible points toward the life, death, and resurrection of this man. The Gospel According to Matthew, Chapter 1, Introduction, Who is Jesus Christ? Jesus was a Jew. The Jews were an ethnic group of people living in present-day Palestine who lived in a covenant relationship with a being named Yahweh, whom we also call God. This relationship began 2,000 years earlier with a Babylonian named Abraham, through whose descendants God promised to bless all the nations of earth. The same covenant was renewed a thousand years after Abraham, when God promised to King David of Israel that one of his descendants would rule the kingdom from his throne forever. After the reign of David, Israel came upon troubled times, breaking apart through civil war, then being overrun and conquered 
by many foreign enemies, culminating in the Romans who ruled over them during the time of Jesus. Throughout Israel's history, holy men known as prophets delivered messages from Yahweh to his covenant people, warning them about disaster, begging them to quit their evil ways, but ultimately condemning them to ruin because they had broken their covenant with God. However, these same prophets also promised that Israel would be redeemed by a future anointed king, or Messiah. While living under harsh Roman occupation, the Jews lived every day desperately hoping that this anointed Messiah would come rescue them. And Matthew, a Jewish tax collector working for the Romans, makes the case that Jesus of Nazareth was indeed the promised Messiah and King of the Jews. The name Jesus is Greek for the Hebrew Joshua, which means Yahweh saves. And, as chapter 1 demonstrates, Jesus was descended directly from King David. The word Christ comes from the Greek Christos, Messiah in Hebrew, and means anointed or covered in oil. This refers to the Jewish tradition of pouring oil over the head of a new king or high priest. Matthew's Gospel begins with the genealogy of Jesus, containing many historical names which would have been familiar to Jewish readers. Now to us, it might sound a little bit boring. But there's actually an important mystery hidden in this list of 41 names. I invite you to count the generations as they are listed. Matthew cleverly splits the genealogy into three lists of 14 generations each. 3 times 14 equals 42, right? Then why aren't there 42 different names? This chapter includes the genealogy of Jesus and the birth of Jesus. The Gospel According to Matthew, Chapter 1 The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham became the father of Isaac. Isaac became the father of Jacob. Jacob became the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah became the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez became the father of Hezron. Hezron became the father of Ram. Ram became the father of Amminadab. Amminadab became the father of Nashon. Nashon became the father of Salmon. Salmon became the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz became the father of Obed by Ruth. Obed became the father of Jesse. Jesse became the father of King David. David the king became the father of Solomon by her who had been Uriah's wife. Solomon became the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam became the father of Abijah. Abijah became the father of Asa. Asa became the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat became the father of Joram. Joram became the father of Uzziah. Uzziah became the father of Jotham. Jotham became the father of Ahaz. Ahaz became the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah became the father of Manasseh. 
Manasseh became the father of Ammon. Ammon became the father of Josiah. Josiah became the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah became the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel became the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel became the father of Abiud. Abiud became the father of Eliakim. Eliakim became the father of Azor. Azor became the father of Zadok. Zadok became the father of Akim. Akim became the father of Eliud. Eliud became the father of Eleazar. Eleazar became the father of Matan. Matan became the father of Jacob. Jacob became the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, from whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David to the exile to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the carrying away to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was like this. After his mother Mary was engaged to Joseph before they came together, she was found pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not willing to make her a public example, intended to put her away secretly. But when he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take to yourself Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She shall give birth to a son. You shall name him Jesus, for it is he who shall save his people from their sins. Now all this has happened that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall give birth to a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is, being interpreted, God with us. Joseph arose from his sleep, and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took his wife to himself, and didn't know her sexually until she had given birth to her firstborn son. He named him Jesus. If you counted the generations, remember that number. We'll come back to it in a minute. If you are unfamiliar with the names listed in Jesus' genealogy, you're not alone. I encourage you to look some of them up when you get a chance. These names provide valuable context to understanding Jesus' origins. Because the Jewish people kept detailed records of their genealogies, it would have been a simple matter for any Jewish rabbi who wanted to challenge Jesus' credentials to compare Matthew's genealogy with the official record and raise an objection. It is important to note that this objection never happened. Matthew mentions the names of five different women in his genealogy, which is interesting because all five of these women had questionable reputations and lead up to Mary, mother of Jesus, who was the most questionable of all, being pregnant, but not by her betrothed husband. Joseph's decision to divorce Mary privately would have saved her from public execution by stoning. He then reverses this decision 
after an angel visits him and assures him that Mary spoke the truth when she told him that she conceived through the Holy Spirit. A woman's virginity was not only a matter of honor between the bride and her groom, it was also a physical fact which Joseph could have verified himself. Additionally, modern medicine has proven that it is in fact possible for a woman to become pregnant while remaining a virgin, through artificial insemination. Matthew then quotes Isaiah the prophet from seven centuries earlier, who said, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is, being interpreted, God with us. For virgin, Isaiah used the Hebrew word Alma, which means maiden or young woman. Some might argue that Alma is not necessarily a virgin. However, Matthew here insists that Isaiah did mean virgin, and because Mary was a virgin, this means Isaiah's prophecy was fulfilled in Mary. Matthew then says that Joseph didn't know her sexually until she brought forth her firstborn son. This statement is evidence that Joseph and Mary did have children after Jesus, refuting the Roman church's claim that Mary remained a virgin perpetually for the rest of her life. Do you remember how many generations you counted? Here's what Matthew says about that number, verse 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, from David to the exile to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the carrying away to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. The number 14 is significant because every letter of the Hebrew alphabet represents a number, and when you total the letters in David's name, Daleth 4, Vav 6 and Daleth 4, they add up to 14. However, when you add up all of the names in Matthew's genealogy, you get 14, 14, and 13 generations for a total of 41, not 42. There's a missing generation. Some scholars argue that this is because we're supposed to count King David twice, but Matthew, being a tax collector for the Romans, would not have made such a mistake. He's a tax collector. He knows how to count. He also leaves a few generations out of the second batch of names in order to make sure that it adds up to 14, so we know that Matthew's count is deliberate. Who could this mysterious 14th generation following Christ represent? Whoever it was, it was someone Matthew deliberately chose not to disclose publicly in his gospel. The Gospel According to Matthew, Chapter 2 Introduction In the previous chapter, Matthew introduced us to Jesus by providing a genealogy, followed by a short account of the events surrounding his mother Mary's pregnancy, told from the perspective of her husband, Joseph. 
Matthew reminded us that Jesus' miraculous birth was foretold seven centuries earlier by Isaiah the prophet, who said, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. In chapter 2, Matthew continues making the scriptural case for Jesus as Christ. We will also meet three wise men following a star to the birthplace of baby Jesus. Now pay close attention to this star. It is not your typical star. This chapter includes the pilgrimage of the Magi, the flight to Egypt, weeping and great mourning, the return to Nazareth. Chapter 2 Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born King of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard it, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he asked them where the Christ would be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is written through the prophet, You, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are in no way least among the princes of Judah, for out of you shall come a governor who shall shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the wise men and learned from them exactly what time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. When you have found him, bring me word so that I also may come and worship him. They, having heard the king, went their way. And behold, the star which they saw in the east went before them until it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. They came into the house and saw the young child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Opening their treasures, they offered to him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country another way. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and stay there until I tell you, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. He arose and took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and sent out and killed all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all the surrounding countryside, from two years old and under, according to the exact time which he had learned from the wise men. Then that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled, saying, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children. She wouldn't be comforted because they are no more. 
But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. He arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. Being warned in a dream, he withdrew into the region of Galilee and came and lived in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken through the prophets that he will be called a Nazarene. The Jewish Messiah was to be born in the town of Bethlehem. This was declared by the prophet Micah, who lived at the same time as Isaiah in the 8th century BC. This prophecy was also known to the Magi from Babylon who asked, Where is he who is born King of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. A star according to the ancient definition of the word, wasn't necessarily a flaming ball of gas somewhere outside our solar system. It simply meant any kind of light suspended in the sky, which in this case had a peculiar flight pattern. Behold, the star which they saw in the east went before them until it came and stood over where the young child was. If you're reading carefully, you will notice that this star was moving and the wise men followed it until it stopped moving over the dwelling where they could find the infant Jesus. This star was a flying vehicle piloted by angels, which you can read more about in Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 15, which I challenge you to look up on your own. Matthew's other scriptural references, out of Egypt I called my son, and a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, are both interesting because Matthew takes these scriptures out of their original context and repurposes them to illuminate the gospel narrative. By doing this, Matthew is telling his readers that despite ancient scriptural tradition, God is doing a new thing in the advent of Jesus Christ, and so should not slavishly adhere to old interpretations which might not be correct. This chapter is Matthew's last mention of Joseph. The material in the other three Gospels regarding this man is even more scarce. Luke chapter 2 records an incident in Jesus' childhood where Jesus calls the Jerusalem temple, My Father's House suggesting Jesus knew that Joseph was not his real father. But regarding the ultimate fate of Jesus' stepfather, the silence of all four Gospels is... deafening. Was Joseph even alive during the time of Jesus' ministry? If not, what happened to him? Surely someone knew the answer to this simple question, and yet... All four Gospels are conspicuously silent on this topic. Let us pray from Luke chapter 11. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. 
May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Bring us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thank you for listening. If you've satisfied any of your Bible curiosity, please rate this series. If you have feedback, write a review. And if you're still curious for more, please subscribe so that we can send you timely updates and join us for our next episode where we will be reading Matthew chapters 3 and 4, Jesus' baptism and temptation. So buckle your seatbelts. This is Arthur Milliken saying good night and God bless.